The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. someone you know has a child with autism in their family, answers and support can be hard to come by. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. We will offer practical information for parents of children of all ages, as well as explore treatment topics and recent research related to autism. Now, here is this week's host. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm Rob Haupt, your host for the hour. I'm the Vice President of Business Development at Autism Spectrum Therapies, as well as a board-certified behavior analyst. Uh, some of you may know a little bit what I look like. Uh, others may not. But if you're at all curious, uh, I really encourage you to check out uh, autismtherapies.com, and you can check out my video blogs. We're rotating through a lot of different topics. Uh, some of them overlap perfectly with the show, and sometimes we go in a little different directions. Um, looking at some clinical issues, looking at funding issues, just kind of looking at a whole lot of different things that impact families of individuals with autism. Um, AST is a national agency that provides services and resources to individuals of all ages who are living with autism spectrum disorder, as well as other developmental issues. Uh, I really appreciate you joining me today, and uh, I'm really excited about today's show because when when we came up with the show and when we started doing it, our, our big goal was facilitating a community and really connecting our community together. And today's guest really is doing that, but not just on a local level, but she's doing it on a global level. Uh, when I was preparing for today's show and getting ready, I, I couldn't help but think about my first move to California. Uh, I think I've talked about this on the show before, but I'm an East Coaster. I was born in New York, moved to Connecticut, moved to Massachusetts. And when I first started working in the uh, world of ABA, I was actually in Massachusetts. And I, I remember so clearly, and, and this came back to me really vividly, was my move to California. I started interviewing for jobs. And I, I asked this question that seems so foolish now, but I asked uh, if the agency I was interviewing with, if, if they use an IEP and if there's IEPs out here. And, and you know, now it obviously sounds so silly, but I was in my bubble. I didn't know about the world outside of small town Massachusetts where I was working, where I was uh, providing ABA services. And that, that really kind of stuck with me for a while is that wow, I came from this little tiny world, this little pocket, and now I'm getting exposed to something much bigger. And then a professor of mine actually said that, you know, oh, you're from the East Coast. It's great that you're coming and learning and doing ABA out here on the West Coast because they're different. And I said, well, how, how can there be East Coast, West Coast ABAs? I was like, I was thinking, is this the rap world? Is this a uh, sports world where we've got the East Coast bias? Uh, 
that was really strange and that was that was kind of surprising to me um but then i started to get it and i really got what he meant which is different pockets different communities do things a little different and sometimes they're really subtle and sometimes they're they're not so subtle but there was something really powerful about that is knowing that i got to work with these experts with this different point of view outside of boston and now i'm working with these experts with a certain point of view in Los Angeles and, and other parts of California. And there's something bigger. I can, I can pull from both. I can learn from both. And what was really surprising to me was actually not that, that I felt good about that. And I felt supported by that is when my first client, when the parents of my clients started to say, tell me about the East coast, tell me what you're doing there. And, and they actually felt supported uh, and the most astonishing thing was that actually one of my clients went and visited and took a tour of the facility I was working at outside of Boston. He wanted to learn about what we did because he wanted to apply some of that learning to his son's program. And he encouraged me to draw from these different points of views and these different ideas to make the best program for his son. And we really started this long ended up being about a three-year dialogue of what can we look at? Where can we draw from? Um, you know, the idea is that you can't be an expert on everything, so let's draw from the experts, but not just draw from the people locally, but who can we learn from nationally? And and I thought that was really cool, and, and I really thought a lot about that in, in getting ready for today because these connections are just are so powerful. You know, for many of our families, it's really challenging to make connections to the world around. Uh, it's autism and can be very isolating. And a lot of our families that we work with have have communicated that there's a sense of isolation. Um, it's tough to schedule therapies while addressing your kids' needs, while working to maintain a homework balance. It's just a lot to balance and, and to do. Um, but many of our parents that I speak to are able to share that it's significant it's for them to make connections and, and to make friends in the community who have shared perspectives and relationships. And by realizing that they're not the only one in a, this situation or in a situation, that it actually brings them a lot of relief and, and really helps them uh, turn to other people when they're in need of help or support. Um, and I think that's a big reason why people are, are responding to this show, as well as to the different blogs that we cover each week on our uh, Facebook, as well as our uh, website, there's a lot we can teach one another, and it is really important for us to understand each other's perspectives because it allows us to support one another more effectively and to really make a difference. So this week, I really want to look at that type of support and that type of community. But as I said, we're going to look at it on a much bigger level. Uh, I think most of you know that ABA is, is the most widely accepted, uh, most evidence-based treatment for individuals with autism. But... It's not always easy to find in the United States, and I'm sure our guest today will tell us a lot about the difficulties about finding it nationally. Um, my guest this week is uh, Molly Olapini, um, and she's traveled to different parts of the world, bringing ABA to families that would not otherwise have the option. And she's made great advances in the effort to connect our expanded global autism community to the services that they need. Uh, Molly founded the Global Autism Project, and in September of 2003, Molly moved to Ghana to continue providing ABA therapy services 
for a child she worked with in Seattle. And after being in Ghana for less than two months, several families uh, sought Molly's assistance in gaining resources to help with their children. Uh, one Ghanaian mother whose child was diagnosed while briefly living outside of the country told Molly, when my child was diagnosed with autism, I would have preferred the diagnosis was a terminal illness. I was so scared. Stories like these inspired Molly to create the Global Autism Project. Nine years later, the Global Autism Project has responded to calls for help by building in three other countries. In 2009, Soram in Chandigarh, India, became a partner, and a year later, Kenya joined. Most recently, they have welcomed Peru as a service site and look forward to being able to partner with others as they continue the work for children all over the world. The Global Autism Project has defined itself as an organization truly committed to not only providing services to local autism centers in under-resourced areas worldwide, but working to affect change on a systemic level throughout the countries in which they work. Uh, so with this introduction to who Molly is, I want to welcome Molly to the show. Molly, thanks so much for being here. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's a great pleasure to be able to reach out to a bigger community and talk about some of what's happening internationally. So thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, uh, for those who don't know, I, mean, I know you've been at ABA International for the last few years, and I remember meeting you the first time and just being so impressed and inspired by the vision of the organization that you know, I'm just excited that, that so many others are going to get to hear about it because it, it, it totally – thinking about the ABA and autism across the country, I didn't even think about the, the international level. So it's just a very cool, cool concept and a cool right. thing to, to know more about. Oh, definitely. Uh, One of the most common things people say to me, forget ABA, they say there's autism in other countries. Yeah, there is. <laughs> well, and just reading that story, um, you know, in the intro, I'm just like, I can't believe that. That's just so shocking to me. But then it it does make sense because not everyone, you know, not everyone is, you know, I guess as educated or there's not as much support or, you know, we still just don't understand so much that right. I guess it, it's less surprising when you, when you really think about it. Absolutely. Um, no, you're, you're exactly right. They don't have access to resources, so they're, yeah. they're not sure how to, to kind of see their way through this. Um, well, I guess, you know, the first question I have for you is just, you know, what really motivated you to start the organization? Um, well, as you said in your introduction, I had moved to Ghana with one family who the father was originally from Ghana, and I moved there thinking I would spend a few months to a year working with him, just getting his program set up. Um, one little boy I was working with actually in Seattle, Washington, and we thought, we'll just get his program set up and train a person locally. And people started coming to my house, started coming to where I worked, looking for the lady who knew what autism was. And it was through those families that I met a woman who, a Ghanaian woman, who had started the Autism Awareness Care and Training Center in Ghana. So mm -hmm. I began volunteering my time there and realized really, really quickly that training was the major need. Um, no shortage of love, no shortage of passion, no shortage of, um, you know, they, they had the physical space as well. It was really, it was really about training folks. Um, so I had a dial-up connection in Ghana, um, wow. but I searched that internet every page that I could find. Now this was, this was 2003, so this was a little while ago. Um, but I searched for an organization that could come in and provide training um, in a sustainable and, and ethical manner. Um, there were a few folks who volunteered to come in for thousands of dollars for two weeks. Um, and being in Ghana and understanding a little bit more about sort of, you know, um, the 
sorry, the unintended consequences of that short-term intervention and in that it just it, it doesn't last and people aren't trained. So well, that's not what we need to do. Um, so I think it was about a week later that the Global Autism Project was made. Um, and, you know, originally we thought, oh, maybe the Ghana Autism Project. And so wait a minute, <laughs> there are other countries all over the world that need these services. So, um, yeah, nine years later, here we are. <laughs> wow. Um, and the, the first question I thought is I was curious how you were received. You know, how did everyone feel about you coming in? And was there any just, uh, I guess, trepidation about having an American group come in like that? Well, um, again, you know, I went just with one American, um, Ghanaian-American student okay. who I had worked with. So I was I was just this one person working with this one child, um, you know, and I'll never forget the night that, that I called Auntie Sawa and said, you know, this, these families have told me about you. I'd love to come and see what you're doing. Um, and she's just an incredible human being who said, you know, come on in, check it out. Um, it's a great question, though, because I think that we in Ghana, we were able – I was able able to be just one person. And now we are mm-hmm. the Global Autism Project, yeah. um, which is a little different, right, than, than one person with a year of ABA therapy experience coming in. Um, and so we do, um, you know, for that reason, our partners reach out to us. Um, and we, what we do is we work to build local capacity. So we don't go in and build a school or build a center. We train the people already there. Um, we train them in the clinical practices. All of our practices are overseen by board-certified behavior analysts, and as well as tra- Sorry, as well as train them in the administrative practices in order to effectively run a business in, a, in another country that employs people and provides quality services. So. Um, so in terms of, of being received, we work so closely with our partners. You know, we're in contact on a weekly basis with all of our partners around, around the world. We currently work um, in Kenya, India, and Peru. Awesome. So, and we talk to them all the time. So we're, at this point, we're, we're friends. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I want to talk more about the programs you've started and, and, and more about just the response to them. Uh, but first, let's take a commercial break, and then we'll get back to talking more to Molly about the Global Autism Project. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we are committed to supporting families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today to let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, creating futures for individuals with autism. Visit AutismTherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, we're talking to Molly Olapini uh, from the Global Autism Project. 
Um, Molly, you were before the break, you were telling us about the way you guys were building capacity um, in these other countries. And I, I, I think that's really cool, just the idea of the, the training you guys do and, and the way you guys are really building up um, not just the services, but as you said, like you're teaching them to run a business and how to create a center and, the, and all that goes into that. Absolutely. Um, you know, was there a lot of, when you started this, was there a lot of awareness of ABA? No. <laughs> In a word, absolutely not. Um, you know, and not only is there not awareness of ABA, but there, there's often not a large awareness of autism either. Um, and in place of a word that describes um, these behaviors that are that are unique to autism, there's all kinds of explanations around the world. Mm-hmm. You know, we've heard everything from um, the children are possessed or they're, you know, they're um, possessed by the ancestors or it's just bad parenting or, you know, all of these explanations. And and I would say, you know, I live and work in, in New York. I know you're from here. Um, yes. you know, and, I, and I hear I hear things similar to this even here, you know. So, sure. um, but certainly, you know, where there's not there's not awareness of autism, there's not awareness of, of ABA, that once someone does find out it's autism, then you go to the internet, right, when you're in another mm-hmm. country, and, and they're not necessarily on the dial-up connection I was on 10 years ago, um, but it can <laughs> still be hard to find your way to effective resources. Um, and we talk to people from around the world who maybe they've, maybe they have figured out what ABA therapy is, they have no idea where to even begin to try to get it in their country. Right. So um, so the awareness is a huge component of what we're doing. We always say, you know, we have a two prong mission, but with the clinical side and the administrative side. Mm -hmm. But around all of that, we have the awareness component. We do lots and lots and lots of work around awareness. Um, And it's really powerful. It's really powerful to see families and you were speaking about community a bit, but to see families and um, the autism communities around the world coming together around autism awareness. Um, mm-hmm. You know, families who felt pretty isolated before they sort of had access to this community of support. So it's one of my favorite things that that we get to be a part of, actually. You know, and I was wondering, you know, having worked in a few different communities since coming to California, you know, I know sometimes people will say, I really want ABA. Uh, they maybe have done a little bit of the research. They've got a little bit of awareness. And then once sure. they see what it is, they're like, oh, that's not what I thought it was. And we almost have like a second hurdle of now great, you have an awareness, but maybe you haven't accepted all of the, the what a therapy looks like or how uh, maybe that this is going to be more intensive than they thought, or it looks a little different than they thought. Did you guys have any hurdles like that in terms of like having people become open now to the type of treatment or the types of therapies you were doing? You know, that's a great question. Um, and we haven't, I, to my knowledge, we haven't experienced that directly. Again, we're sort mm-hmm. of in the backseat, right? Our partners are, are driving the local efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, they're speaking the local languages. They understand the local customs. They are local people around the world driving all of this work. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, there may very well be parents who came to the center, saw ABA, and felt like it wasn't for them. The kids that we see when we're there doing the training, um, they're they're there for ABA and, and they they're aware of what it looks like and what it is certainly, mm-hmm. um, but I do know you know wherever we work, there's lots of other information seeping in and, and parents who want to access um, all kinds of other treatments and so we put a very heavy emphasis with our partners as well on really evidence based um, mm-hmm. therapies and treatments so that's that's, that's been a that's been a 
big hurdle for us, I think, is just kind of getting the word about evidence-based. Sure. Well, it's also nice when you have like a I, – I feel like you then at least have a foundation to like frame a conversation. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, it's like, okay, well, here's the evidence that can back up, you know, why I feel this way or why I believe this. So, sure. Yeah. And our yeah, most I was... powerful evidence, you know, is when they see their own child be able to ask for something or, um, you know, and I think that's a part for us. It's like once, once a parent has access to seeing their child learn something or do something for the mm-hmm. first time, it starts to sort of strip away those those other alternative explanations. And we Mm -hmm. never, never, never say that their explanation is wrong. We never do. We don't Mm -hmm. need to. Um, And I don't know what causes autism either. So, you know, I'm not going to go and pretend that I do. Um, And I think, you know, it really, autism is very unique in in that, um, you know, in terms of the work that we're doing internationally and that there is no, there's, there's not a lot of explanation. You know, we have, we have to be careful about our message. When we say no cure, we don't mean there's no hope, you know? So, so we have to be, we have to be careful in ways um, that that we learn about too every day. I mean, you, you talk about, you know, clearly we've talked a little bit about some of these challenges, some challenges you face, but I was curious if there were if there were really any significant challenges you guys faced, especially early on, whether it be, you know, finding people who wanted to be trained in this or, or people who had a strong enough background to be trained in ABA or, or to run these programs, like what were those key challenges and hurdles you faced early on in, in starting the project? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you know, to become an ABA therapist is it's a it's a lot of schooling, it's a lot of supervision, it's you know, it's quite a commitment. Um, and certainly, finding individuals who have that background has been a challenge. Um, in Kenya, we are actually about to train the we're in the process of training the very first. And this is on the radio, so if I'm wrong, let me know. <laughs> to our knowledge, and the BCB registry's knowledge, the very first BCBA who will be trained in and working on the continent of Africa. Um, There are other BCBAs from Africa. There are other Kenyan BCBAs. um, And we work closely with them, but they live here in the U.S. So she's the first one who's going to be trained in and working in Kenya um, and really the continent of Africa. Um, And we we accomplished that through a partnership that we were able to build with the University of Massachusetts in Boston, who's providing that online training for her to get the coursework. Because again, the background um, coursework is, is essential. And that was actually going to be my question for you guys is, is that how you're doing it is primarily through online coursework to get everyone trained up? Yeah. So right now, um, we do, we have a partnership with UMass Boston for the online coursework for the BCBA, um, courses. And, but what we're looking to do actually is build partnerships with local universities. So part of this training her, um, is with an agreement that she will not only train others, but that she's working, we're all working together, um, to facilitate a partnership with universities in Kenya to actually get the BCBA training courses in Kenya. Um, we know, especially from her taking these courses, that there are certain cultural considerations that need to be included in this curriculum, right? So, yeah. Um, so that's an exciting thing that, that we're working on. We're, we're all about building, building, building capacity. Um, and again, having it being driven by our local partners. I love it. I love it. Because I, I mean, my first thought is now you have someone living locally who can provide the supervision to the next person and the next person and the next person. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you like, it just spreads. That's amazing. 
Absolutely. Yeah, with you know, with the right infrastructure in place and the right systems, um, you know, our partner in in Peru is a board certified behavior analyst. She's a BCBA D, actually a doctorate level. Oh wow. Yeah, and she was trained here in New York City. <laughs> it all comes back to New York um, at Columbia University. You know, and I was ask. went back to Peru, and she's now the only. BCBA in Peru until our training team comes up, right? And now her staff has access to seeing not only her, but other BCBAs, other professionals in the field. So we bring training teams in um, two to four times a year, depending on the location. You know, in addition to the online stuff, I'm just curious, have you created any of your own curriculum or uh, utilized any specific curriculums to to assist with this training for uh, the staff in the different countries? Yeah, excellent question. That's another that's another one of our projects right now is working on that um, because there are there's a lot of curricula out there, you know. And, and my hunch is to never never reinvent the wheel, you know, unless yeah. it's not turning for us. Sure. Um, but we do find that we need something that's a, has a little bit more plasticity to it, has a little bit more flexibility uh-huh. um, than what's out there currently. And in terms and assessment as well, you know, you you mm-hmm. can't look at eye contact as, as something that um, you need to teach in a culture where eye contact from a child is considered inappropriate. Mm-hmm. So there are lots of there are lots of considerations once you once you go global. And our feeling is that we do want to build out this curriculum, but we really want more partners, and we want our partners to be a very huge part of building that out um, because they know they know what's going on out there. You know? So yeah, um, so yeah, absolutely. The assessment and the curriculum is a is a direction, and we have. Um, I'm not sure how much time we have right now, but we have a program called Skill Core where behavior okay. analysts and therapists and teachers from this country um, and who are certified and qualified travel with us. They, it's a volunt- um, like a volunteerism experience. They volunteer and travel with us, and they create our training curriculum. Uh, our, sorry, our training programs. And so okay. what's great about that, I know you were mentioning, you know, you're able to take best practices from the East Coast and from the West Coast. We're able to do that with every skill core trip, we're able to bring in a diverse team of trainers um, who are all BCBAs or, or working in the field um, and work with our partners to, to do that training. You know, that was, you, you kind of lead perfectly into one of my next questions for you, which was going to be like, what are some of those, what are some of those best practices you've been able to pull from these, these experiences in the different countries? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, I think our the number one thing that people say to us after they travel and after they do our programs called Skill Core, our travel mm-hmm. program, and they come back is that they've learned how important it is to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we sort of drive that home to everyone who travels with us. Yeah. <laughs> listen first, talk later. Um, and, you know, it becomes really obvious to you when you're in another country and you, you don't necessarily completely understand everything that's being said. Um, and then they say, you know, we come back and, and listening is sort of that, that piece that really sticks with them. So, um, I think, you know, I think that's a piece of it, and and that really goes into informing the design of everything that we do. So not only listen, but then take those thoughts and take those experiences and use them to inform what we're doing. Got it. I mean, I, it's so funny. It's like that listening is such a core thing that we all forget to do. We're always so quick to run in, okay, let me solve this problem. Let me fix this situation right. rather than maybe I should just listen and hear what everyone has to say to make sure I'm doing it the right way. 
Right. You're there for two weeks. They're there for, that's their home. You're there, they're there for the rest of their lives, you know, providing these services to these kids. And the most important thing to us is that anything that was taught, there was actually a transfer of skills. Right. And so we work a lot with our skill core teams as well to talk about you may be going in and just, you know, pouring the foundation. You may be going in and just laying the cornerstone. Um, and your, your job is not to go in for two weeks and fix absolutely everything. Um, you know, your job is to go in and, and conduct training one and um, make sure everyone's really solid and really fluent in that area before we even go into the next trip. So. Yeah, I think that's 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 a really good point. Well, let's take a break here. Got to go to some commercials. Um, but when we come back, we're going to be talking more to Molly Olapini uh, about uh, global autism and the Global Autism Project. We'll be right back. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we are committed to supporting families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today to let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, creating futures for individuals with autism. Visit AutismTherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, everybody. We're back. Uh, we're talking to Molly Olapini about the Global Autism Project Uh when we right before we went to break, we were talking a little bit about what they're working on now, some of the training procedures, um, talking a little bit about their Skill Core program. Um, Molly, I was just curious: is there any? You know, we talked about Skill Core and some of the training you're doing. Is there anything else you guys are working on right now? I mean, it, it sounds like you always have so many things going on. Uh, <laughs> have so many things going yeah um you know and we really spent the last year trying to kind of really you know get clear about what is our mission and what do we have going on and what do we want to focus on um and one of the things that we keep coming back to is you know our talks at abai over the years have become really well attended and people love learning about what we're doing internationally. Our field's really, really um, enjoying that experience. And so we have actually recently, our clinical director, Ann Byrne, has created an online CEU curriculum. So we are actually wow. providing, um, we are approved online CEU providers for the BACB now. And so we're able, again, to take that 10-year, nearly 10-year, feels like 10, <laughs> nearly 10 years of experience abroad um, and talk about some of those, you know, those best practices when working cross-culturally and, mm-hmm. and some of the unique um, experiences that we've had and share them with the community. And that's been a tremendously awesome experience to be able to reach out to folks. So, you know, we talk a lot about working cross-culturally and in other countries 
countries, um, but you don't have to go far to start working with a culturally diverse clientele. Um, and I think a lot of what we learn going into the other countries, and we learn in a very salient way, um, can it can be used here as well, definitely. Oh, yeah. I, I kind of feel like it should be a requirement for any BCBA in Los Angeles. I mean, this is – I thought New York for. City – Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought New York was a melting pot. But L.A. is just the most culturally diverse place I've ever lived in. I mean, it's I could go five minutes and be in a new community that is a different culture. And it's it's you're not always prepared for that. And maybe you don't know enough about that culture to be able to give the best services. I mean, to me, it's you, you need to know these things. It's 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 a challenge we don't always think about right away. That's what we're loving about about SkillCore is I think, you know, people come back from, from being in these other countries and really practicing this very listening, intensive intervention mm-hmm. and come back and feel like, you know, I tried that with, with my clients. And, you know, I mm-hmm. think that, that we all say we're, we're listening all the time, but there's, um, you know, <laughs> when, when you go into another country and we say, listen, we, we sort of don't want you to talk for the first day. We mostly want, you know, <laughs> we, want, we want our partners to have an opportunity to share with you their experience. Um, I think it, it becomes very strong for folks. Awesome. You know, in addition to – obviously, this, this cultural piece is huge, and, and it sounds like it's a big, a big thing you guys have learned from these experiences. But I was wondering if you've been exposed to any other – I don't know, any other things that can really improve what we do here in America, like whether it be uh, a program, even, you know, not just ABA, but maybe just a, a social program or, or something that is good for us as clinicians here in America to learn from or, or to, uh, to know more about. Yeah, you know, one of the things that that I especially love working in the places where we work is there's a very extended family unit. The child um, or, you know, the individual with autism is really surrounded by not only just their parents and not only just their teachers, but often their aunties and uncles and grandparents um, and sisters and brothers and, you know, a, a very large family unit. And we've found that in a lot of ways that can work to our advantage if we're able to train everyone and get everyone on board. Um, and so I think it just speaks to the need here for just to train everybody around mm. this child um, or this individual. Um, you know, and here at the Global Autism Project, actually in our office here in New York, we employ adults with autism, um, which oh, wow. is something that, that we totally love doing. Um, I think you've met, you've met one of our one of I our have. Before. Yeah. So I remember. I remember. Um, yeah. Yeah, in San Francisco because he travels with us and, you know, uh-huh. all kinds of great things. But what we totally love about that is it, it makes it so that anybody who works at the Global Autism Project understands the experience of autism from, from their perspective, not just from, from our perspective as interventionists and as clinicians. Um, and that's another thing, you know, that I just feel like could be, could be really powerful for more organizations that are meeting the needs of this population to be hearing the needs of this population, um, you know, from an adult. You know, you, you touched on two things I, I'd love to, to kind of expand on a bit. Um, this idea of, of teaching the whole family. Mm-hmm. And it, it's something that I, I've actually had a lot of experience doing here is working with family units. And actually the, the family who I was talking about at the opening who, who toured the, the program I worked at outside of Boston, um, I ended up teaching both parents, sibling nanny, grandparents, it was a team approach that we had in terms of everyone knowing the plan. But that has some challenges with it, too. And I was wondering if 
being in, in a different culture and a different community, if you faced challenges or resistance from the different generations of family members to get involved in the type of training you guys provide? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, as I, as I mentioned, I can think of, of a few examples um, when I was in Ghana, actually, of the parents being open to ABA or having learned about ABA. You know, in, mm-hmm. in a few cases in Ghana, um, the children have been diagnosed while they were living outside the country. And so the parents, they, they had access to the diagnosis. They knew what ABA was. They perhaps even had some experience with ABA before they'd gone back to Ghana. Um, and then the grandparents, you know, they, they hadn't necessarily ever left Ghana. And yeah. they were much more quick to accept um, the explanation that the child was possessed and much more quick to mm. want um, to try alternative things that, that were not ABA. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, in many of those cases, it was, it was a matter of a few weeks, you know, before they were able to see that the child was learning. And our position as an organization, in my position when I was first there and it was just me, was that the child can learn. So we're mm-hmm. going to teach the child to learn, and we'll, we'll take it from there, you know. Um, and I think yeah. that that's been, again, we never go in and say your explanation is not true. We never go in and say that. Um, just There's no faster way to make enemies, you know, I think. Yeah. Um, but we really, we completely try to be sensitive to that and understand that and, and operate in not only um, a culturally responsive way, but also in a way that's responsive to your local, your um whatever your local understanding is or, mm-hmm. or knowledge about autism, you know, and, and I think mm-hmm. the challenge is if you think about somebody who's been living in, in Ghana for 83 years, it, it shouldn't surprise you or upset you that they haven't heard of autism. You know? Oh yeah. So, you know, I mean, that, that should be, that should be okay with you and you should learn how to work within that for sure. So absolutely. We've, we've had that. Um, but again, you know, I've, I've spent many years working here in the, here in the great, you know, Island of Manhattan and <laughs> very similar experiences here as well. So I was going to say, I, I I'm thinking of all of my grandparents and some of them are Im- were immigrants and some of them were born in America. And I don't think any of them were prepared or equipped for the idea of what is autism? What do you do for a living? What, what kind of kids are you working with? They, they were all confused. It took a long time for them to, to even themselves become educated being here in America. So I, I can only imagine what it was oh, like absolutely. for some of I these other my grandparents. grandparents about autism. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So, you know, and, and yeah, it does. And it, it can be, it can be confusing, you know, and I think that yeah. speaks to the, the awareness need. It really does. So, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, the, the other thing you touched upon that, um, I was curious about is the fact that you guys are employing adults with autism, um, at the project. And, uh, I was first curious, is that a model that you have been able to replicate, uh, outside of the U.S.? You talked about helping uh, the different groups build their own infrastructure and business. Is that something they've been able to replicate? That's a great question. You know, um, that's the direction that we're really excited to go in. And when we said, you know, oftentimes, you know, we, we work in other countries and people say, what about the adults with autism? What about mm-hmm. the teenagers with autism? Um, and and we understand that those needs, that's a, that's a huge area here as well. Oh, and it's so the top actually, question. Sorry? I, it's actually the, the top question we get on Facebook has oh. to do with teens and adults with autism 
and the supports and services available. It's it's been really it's been really exciting. Um, I've worked with teens and adults for a really long time, so it's actually really exciting for me to have this dialogue, and that's Absolutely. why I'm so curious about about this what you guys are doing. Yeah, we're looking at we're looking at doing it a few different ways. Um, okay. Our um, some a few of our partners do some consultation for adults with autism right now. Um, but again, we we love this this employment model, and part mm-hmm. of the reason that we're doing it here is because we want to be able to train our partners in how to do this and do it well. Um, We're really fortunate to have a clinical advisory board um, of excellent people who are able to provide, provide some um, some guidance on that effort as well. So, but it is, it's exactly why we're doing it here because we think it would be a great direction for our partners to go in. And I wonder, you know, I wonder, are there any tips you would, you would offer up to uh, an organization? You know, I think we, I've done some research and, and we've talked to people in the community about uh, hiring individuals on the spectrum. I, I, for a while, I actually did some job coaching and we were in supermarkets. We were in Target. Starbucks employed some of the kids I worked with. But I, I was thinking about are there tips as a maybe for an autism agency, an ABA provider or a speech provider or whomever that you guys would have for us of hey, this is a way you guys can go about maybe creating some work opportunities just within the, the service delivery uh, agency or business that you guys run. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think our, my number one tip that I've learned over the years, it's been about three years now, I've had three different um, individuals here with autism, is to find a job that fits their interest area first, first and foremost, right? So, Got it. Um, you know, one of our... One of our guys here is our database and spreadsheets manager. There's no better uh-huh. person in the world to manage our database and spreadsheets. <laughs> you know, and that being said, then we use our, you know, we, we use our capacity as having a bunch of behavior analysts sitting in a room, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. to be able to, to build in some professional um, goals around mm-hmm. socialization or, um, you know, we're really fortunate to be here in New York City. So even getting into our office requires a certain set of, of social skills. Um, yeah. You have to have some elevator skills. We're on the eighth floor up here. Um, okay. You have to get in through security. So, um, But I think the number one thing and the reason that we've had some great success is because we've really worked with them to figure out what are they interested in doing? What do they like doing? What is reinforcing right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and so finding and creating a job that fits their interests and your needs, of course. Mm-hmm. But absolutely. That, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm <laughs> that you, you had a, I had a smile on my face. I was thinking when you were talking about skills that um, these guys, your employees would need to develop just to go about getting to work. I had this vision of the New York City subway system. Yeah. And I'm like, you could design a long intervention just around all of the etiquette that, you know, talk about eye contact not being appropriate. I don't think right. I've ever been on the subway and made eye contact. It's, you know, your head's in your paper or your your head's down. So, right, it, right. It's, no, it's different so skills. Peter Gerhardt does some excellent work, as, as you uh, know, yeah. on, you know, the, the subway and the elevator and yep. the escalator. And, yep, know. yep. Yeah, Peter Peter just, was one of the guests of the show, actually, and, and just did a great job talking about some of those things and just you're right. He his work is fantastic. I've always been really inspired by it. To, uh, and he's on to our clinical board, so we're we're very fortunate to to get some good guidance there. You guys are very fortunate. That's a, yeah. that sounds like a great board. <laughs> yeah, we have great people for sure. 
Well, I want to take a break, uh, go to some more commercials. Uh, but when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about where you guys are going next and, and maybe how some of our listeners can get involved. Sure. So we're going to take a break and then we'll come right back. Excellent. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we are committed to supporting families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today to let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, creating futures for individuals with autism. Visit AutismTherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, everybody. We're back on Autism Spectrum Radio. We're here with Molly Olapini about uh, the founder of the Global Autism Project. Uh, Molly, with these last few minutes that we have left, I was wondering, um, I know we've talked a lot about the different projects you guys are working on and about to work on, but where do you see the project going? It sounds like there's a lot of growth. And and so can you share with us um, what the future holds for the project? Absolutely. Yeah. There, there's no shortage of, of countries who need services. Um, and I think, you know, especially again in New York, we don't have to look all that far to find, um, to find people with autism in under-resourced areas. We really don't. Um, And so, you know, one of the things that we're looking to do in the future is, one, work domestically a bit, um, but, two, to really, um, you know, to really see the capacity of our partners increase around the world. I think that's that's an area we're very excited about. I think it would be really cool when um, – and, and maybe they're doing this already. I apologize. I, I haven't been able to see you guys actually talk at ABI yet. But it would be really cool to have some of those guys come in and, and share with, you know, the next site and the next project to kind of they learn. Have, yeah. Yeah. That's, Our partners I gotta, from Peru and Kenya were at um, the ABBA conference last year. So, got yeah, it. It's awesome. I love that I'm no longer the face of autism internationally at ABBA. <laughs> you know? So I should not be the face of autism in Africa. You know, there are plenty yeah. of people doing this work. So, yeah, absolutely. We work to raise their international profile. Um, they're um, actually Actually, this year, our partner from Kenya, who's training to be a BCBA, mm-hmm. she'll be doing um, presenting on some research that they have going on in the center there. So awesome. It's, so it's definitely very something. cool to have them there. And people look at it and go, oh, that's impressive. That looks good. And then we'll just kind of mention, oh, this is happening in Nairobi, Kenya, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, that, yeah. That's what's kind of – I think to see someone live talking about it, because I know mm-hmm. – you know, I know sometimes we do posters, sometimes you do little symposiums, but it it'd be really cool. You know, I, I definitely need to check that out. Is is hear this person live in front of me talking about it? 
Because I think it gives it a different feel. It's really cool. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And it's such an awesome experience for our partners. You know, um, Pooja came from Kenya and she toured around some schools in New York and went to ABBA and went back to Kenya and had so many ideas um, and so awesome. much passion and dedication and implemented just everything you know? mm-hmm. um, and, and implemented it well and really improved her center just from that one little visit, you know? So That's I think, so cool. you know, we tend to sometimes think of conferences as this thing I have to go to for work, you know, mm-hmm. and for, for us and for our partners, it's, it's an awesome experience of networking, of learning. I mean, our partners run around those conferences very, very busy and very, very enthusiastic about everything happening. So That's so cool. Well, if, you know, I was wondering, is there ways for, you know, just regular folks, all of our listeners who want to know more about what you're doing or to support what you guys are doing, how can parents and, and other members in the community get involved? Yeah, thanks for asking. I think there's a, there's a lot of things that, that folks can do. First of all, professionals in the field can certainly look to our website for CEUs, um, okay. and we'll be building out more courses on there, so always stay up to date. Um, and then... You know, there's also Skill Corps where professionals and teachers and even folks who have business experience, right? Because we provide training not just in the clinical practices but administrative as well. Um, and we're working on a whole curriculum around that too. Um, nice. but, but folks can get involved and join Skill Corps and volunteer with us. It's a fee-based volunteer program. Um, and we, we have a waiting list for next year's trips, but put in wow. an application. We may add a trip. <laughs> it's been very, very popular, which is great. Um, but certainly, you know, never underestimate the power of Facebook, you know, and social media and, and really getting the word out that, that uh, there is autism in yeah. countries in Africa. There is autism all over the world. Um, and I think just educating yourself a bit, checking out our website, checking out our blog, helping to spread the word of the work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you can choose to support the work. We're always very grateful for any, any kind of support um, as well. But, you know, just really spreading the word about what we're doing because I can't tell you how many times I get someone on the phone who's been trying to do this all by themselves in another country for four years, feeling like wow. there were no resources, no organizations that understood their need, and then they find us. So, you know, my dream is that when, when someone in another country Googles autism services abroad or, you know, that there there are, um, you know, that they are able to get get in contact with us. And, you know, we're the only organization that's dedicated to international outreach full-time, 365 days a year. So we're we're pretty passionate about building the partnerships to to build their capacity and and being attuned to their needs in that way. Well, it's funny. I I remember telling a few friends of mine who are in the field about what you guys do and and who you are. And I was actually surprised by how many people were like, I would drop everything and move to some country for two years to do this or or be one of their trainers. Like people's eyes lit up about just this experience and this opportunity to go and support. So it's it's really cool what you guys are doing. Well, put them um, in touch with us for sure. We, <laughs> we're looking for people all the time. You know, we um, our Skill Corps program. You know, as I said, we literally have a waiting list for next year um, because it it was so wildly popular with people. Mm-hmm. We just um, 
recently rolled out the program and the applications come in. We actually had to bring someone on staff to manage <laughs> manage our, our skill core applications. That's, that's Connie, and she does a terrific job with that. But, um, yeah, it is something I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of excitement. There's a, there's a lot of interest in doing this work. And our, we see our job really is to facilitate the relationship between the people who want to do good work and the partners who need it. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a certain, um, you know, it's really important to be able to go in in a sustainable way and provide mm. services in a sustainable way. And just going for two weeks or even two years isn't mm-hmm. going to build the capacity you need to build. And so that's why we have ongoing training partnerships. And then once there's, you know, four BCBAs there and they're running their center, hey, go for it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We have plenty of other countries. Um, sure. But, but yeah. Well, Molly, you know, we're, we're out of time, and I just really want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, it was great talking to you. It was great learning more about what you guys are up to. You, you definitely have, have added some things since, uh, since I last checked in to see what uh, the project was up to. Um, so thanks, <laughs> thanks for sharing with us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Um, you know, before we wrap up the show, I just wanted to, to kind of share a couple of thoughts because today's, today's show was fantastic. I, I, I feel invigorated. I feel excited. And, you know, that hope where, where I kind of started off about pulling from other communities and pulling from other things, I, some of the things that Molly talked about really hit home. And, and, I, and I kind of already shared that with you guys. Just the idea of, of sensitivity and, and being aware culturally, uh, I, I think it's something that I know, I know I forget sometimes, and I'm sure a lot of other people forget too, of just what is appropriate in a certain culture versus another culture? I mean, I, I joke around. My, my grandparents are Hungarian, and I always joke around growing up in my house that when you when grandma and grandpa were around, that the appropriate tone of voice or the appropriate volume of your voice was was very different. Uh, it, everything went up a few a few levels. Uh, in my house, we were loud, and and uh, I've, I've shared that story with a few other people of, of Hungarian descent who have had that smile of, I know what you're talking about. Um, and, and I don't know if that's a cultural thing, but I know it was, it was cultural to us and it was cultural to me. And I wonder what it would have been like, uh, for someone to, to teach someone in my home, some of the social skills we work on with our kids with autism. And so keeping that in mind and, and I'm just really inspired by the, the capacity building that the project is doing. Just the idea of, you know, that old saying, you teach a man to fish versus giving him a fish. You teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. I think there's so much to that and kind of inspiring me more and more for that idea of let's train everyone. Everyone needs to know. Everyone needs to be a part of the team and learning and working to support this child. Um, not so it's just not therapy in that moment, but 24-hour support. When the ABA is happening in the home, the, the training, intensive training is happening there, but at dinner time, at the mall, at bedtime, there's still that support of the, the behavior plan or of skill development happening that the entire family can participate in. And I think that's just a, a, a good thing to remember and, and just a good message from, from some of these uh, international experiences. Um, just want to remind everyone that uh, you can listen to uh, our show and any of our previous shows on the AST website. It's uh, autismtherapies.com. You'll find a radio show page listed under the resource tab. There you'll see a collection of the shows on all the different topics we've covered with all of our different guests. 
uh, I definitely encourage you to take a visit, uh, to re-listen to some of your favorite shows, or or to see if you're new to the show, see what who else we've spoken to. Um, as Molly and I were talking about, Peter Gerhardt's been here, and and he just was a great guest and was uh, participating in a fabulous show. It's one of my personal favorites. I think partially because of the topic. But uh, there's a lot of other great guests there that uh, you can definitely learn a lot from or hopefully get some inspiration from. Um, in addition to our website, please take a look at Facebook. Uh, we're doing a lot of stuff there about just the big insurance mandates that are happening across the country. Autism insurance reform, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, is huge. So there's a lot of updates there that you can also benefit from. Um, as well as just the other resources that we work on from a week-to-week basis. And you could check me out on my video blog and, and get to uh, have a face to go with the voice. Um, so with all of that, I, I hope you guys have a great week. I hope this was helpful, inspirational, uh, or, and, and just enjoyable that, to learn a little bit more about what else is going out there in our community, but from an uh, international point of view. Uh, so until then, I'm Rob Haupt with Autism Spectrum Radio. And we'll see you guys next week. Take care. We hope you've had some questions about autism answered this week. Autism Spectrum Radio can be heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Please join us for another edition next week.